to the podcast Story Pod with Nishila. In this show, you can tune into stories from amazing people across the world. Through these stories, you will listen to ideas that matter, real-world insights, and positive inspiration. I am Nishila Murthy Koshik, Chief Marketing Officer at HFS and your host for this podcast. In the series The Shiro Diaries, you will listen to stories of women leaders across the globe, their personal life and career journey, choices and decisions which influence them, and reflections from these experiences. Are you ready for stories that can change your life? My guest for today's podcast is Irene Weldstra. Irene is currently VP, Head of Large Deals at Atos, supporting deal teams to win with strong focus on customer centricity and value of technology. She's passionate about bringing out the best in others and coaching young talent to step out of their comfort zone. She's a culture change ambassador, a promoter of women in tech, and a part of Atos Being Connected and Atos Leap Initiatives, leading the way Vocal and on the front line, one of her goals is to motivate others to embody the Atos of the future. Prior to joining Atos in 2021, she was Chief Commercial Officer for an M&A brokerage firm and Chief Executive Officer responsible for Benelux at a global tech company. She has held various other commercial and consulting positions in seven different countries. With a focus on people, on profitable growth as well on her customers, she leads with relentless energy and optimism, focus, transparency and efficiency. She is a recognized leader for her strategic abilities in complex ecosystems and obtaining results. In her free time, Irene enjoys co-piloting in historic regularity, car rallies in Central Europe and Scandinavia, besides spending time with her husband and two children. Welcome to the show, Irene. It's indeed a privilege and pleasure for me to have someone like you on the show. Well, thanks very much for having me. I'm really glad to be here and uh, share something with your audience. Thanks a lot. Wonderful. So Irene, the first segment of the podcast is what I call Know the Shiro. And the spotlight is on you, um, Irene. Uh, in this segment, we talk about backstories around the influence of family, upbringing, education, and your career journey. My first question is really about getting to know you a little bit better in a fun and interesting way. If you had to describe yourself with adjectives, starting with the letters of your name, what would they be and why? All right. Well, thanks for that question. I thought about that. And so my name is Irene. So I start with inspiration. I get inspiration from many sources, so from what I read, and I read a lot, but also from my colleagues, and especially from my younger colleagues, our younger employees, from inspirational leaders, my children, and my family, and I hope myself to be an inspiration to people. So for a second letter, we talk about resilience. Um, I am at my best in fast-paced transformation environments with a lot of moving parts, where being resilient is important. And I learned that over the years. And the third letter is the E for empowerment, because I really love setting up others to win and really get the best out of people and to draw that out. A good team for me is defined by a group of people uh, with diverse perspectives and personalities, and they're all smarter than I am. 
And then uh, the, the fourth letter is a Dutch word. So I'm Dutch and I chose the word nieuwsgierig. And that means curious. I'm infinitely, infinitely curious and I have very broad interests. And I'm a people focused person and I want to get to know the person behind the employee and what motivates them and what interests them. And then finally, energetic. I'm energetic and enthusiastic by nature. And I know that I positively influence others with that, and that's great. At the same time, though, I do reflect on the context in transformational situations where there's a lot of change and a lot of adaptation required from large groups of people. I have to remind myself to be more balanced to avoid showing toxic positivity. So I also do get energy from being around others. So personally, I would prefer to be in the office around people working more physically rather than to always work remotely. Thanks, Irene. That's uh, wonderful the way you've described yourself. And I learned two new words. One is uh, a Dutch word, like you said, for curious, which is newskirk. And that's, uh, you know, sort of gone to my vocabulary. Thank you for that. And I love your um, your mention of the word called toxic positivity, right? <laughs> you know, I just, I just love the way you're, uh, you know, sort of use that because, you know, that the people who are by nature inherently positive, uh, I think they'll try to look for something positive in every situation, context, circumstance. And while that is great, it's also important sometimes I feel to to be balanced in terms of being realistic about the situation. So I think I think I must compliment you for your level of self awareness. I think that's amazing in the way you've described yourself. Thank you for sharing that, Irene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. It's exactly that actually, what you just explained. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So if you did a time travel back to childhood, what do you think was the role of your family in shaping your outlook to life and where you stand today? So I was born and I grew up in the Netherlands in a pretty stable family environment. And my my mother didn't work uh, until we were uh, in our secondary school levels. But my father always had the first model of early computers at home. So choosing for a career in IT was a pretty natural choice for me. And he also frequently traveled for business worldwide. And my my parents moved abroad several times while I was a student. And I ended up doing that myself. So I followed their example. Also as well, Dutch people generally, they like to travel beyond our small country and leave their parents home to become independent quite young. And I did that also. So even while I was still a student, uh, I already moved abroad uh, to do an internship in northern Finland. And then later, after I finished my education, I pretty much immediately moved to Canada for my first full-time job. And that was at uh, Atos, which was then still called Origin at the time, in uh, early 1997. Wonderful. Uh, I do feel that, you know, parents influence us in... um, many significant ways, some we we probably acknowledge and appreciate many years later, but a lot, I think, um, you know, we can see the the benefits of those choices and decisions as we navigate navigate life. Um, so it's it's um, uh, it's kind of you know uh, something which stays with us forever. It's some in some sense I think uh, our parents' legacy in our lives. Um, I love to love move to the next question, which is around the role of education. Um, So, you know, I personally believe that education has been extremely critical for me because it brought my way opportunities, which probably would have never been an option or a consideration set for me. Um, How do you feel education has influenced your life and been critical in where you stand today? 
Right, well, several things. Um, so I studied IT. And during my IT education, I was only one of three or four girls among hundreds of students. And this became a red thread throughout the rest of my career. So being one of very few women is what I'm used to. And it never really mattered much to me until a few years ago when I was forced to face that it did play a role during my career. And now I'm more aware of it since then. I'm not a group follower, so to speak, so I don't mind standing out for being different. This is pretty much a given for me. And regardless of being female, I am anyways always the one that speaks out and seems to ask all the difficult questions. At the same time, my, my IT education background allows me as a business leader to really relate to the technical nature of what we do at Atoms, for example. I really do understand IT, its origins and the people from the application developers to the CIO. And this ability to connect business value to IT is a skill that I, let's say, developed over years. And today I don't talk much about technology itself, but rather about the value of that technology for our customers and how it can transform their businesses, their customers and their lives. And at the same time, this is why I also say that if you want to become a leader in IT, or if you want to have an IT career, having studied IT is not a definite prerequisite. There are many ways of getting into what's a very, you know, very interesting industry. So also, finally, about my education, I have a bachelor degree in IT. And looking back, if there's one thing that I would have done differently, that's that I would have stayed in school longer and to continue to get a higher degree, for example, a master degree. There are many business cultures across the globe, and some of them that I have worked in, where no matter how many years of experience you have, people will still evaluate you based on your education, no matter how long that is ago. And unfortunately still, this seems especially important for women and minorities in certain industries who still unfortunately need to prove themselves more compared to others. So my advice to my own children today is, and anyone else actually, is to keep studying, continue to learn for as long as possible. That's what I would have done differently looking back. Thanks for sharing, Irene. So for anyone who's living, uh, listening in, I think the most important lesson that Irene seems to be uh, advocating is to keep studying for as long as possible. Uh, and then, uh, you, know, you know, have a focus on continuous learning even as a part of your everyday everyday life and experiences and conversations so uh, something for all of us to take away thank you irene for sharing that welcome let's talk now about your professional journey can you share highlights about your career and how it evolved and how you reached this uh, position of power and influence okay well thanks very much um, so after my education, uh, like I said, I started working as a young consultant at, uh, at Origin, which is now Atos, and almost immediately moved from the Netherlands to Canada in early 1997. So they had a high demand for people with the skills I had. So after one or two assignments from that company at customers in Canada, all my projects appeared to be in the US after that. So I later decided to move there if I had to work there five days a week. Then later came the collapse of the IT industry in the early 2000s. And while living in the US, I actually did some assignments for Atos in Paris because I speak French and they asked me to, to go there. Um, so a lot of travel. And then later came 9-11 and the climate for traveling foreigners living in the US, such as myself, became more challenging. 
At the same time, I had met my husband on vacation in Europe, so I decided to leave the US after a few years. So I applied for a job and was hired at a United Nations company in Geneva, Switzerland. So I moved from Chicago to Geneva. I had the opportunity to be on the customer side of IT projects. So the UN company I worked for, the World Intellectual Property Organization, was buying a large ERP project to upgrade their financial systems. So we did that. It was very interesting. And after two years, I, uh, I did not renew my contract and decided to join uh, my now husband in Belgium. And I started working at Atos again. So I made my first step into key account management. And there I, I discovered really that I had some uh, business commercial talent beyond IT. And then I followed that into going into the global strategic sales team in 2006. And in 2009, I left Atos to do some other great things to other companies, which typically had something to do with making big groundbreaking or strategic deals, where I typically came in as the outsider with an unconventional view. I learned also to appreciate being in companies where a lot of changes ongoing. I personally need variety and lots of simultaneous challenges rather than being a place where everything runs smoothly and stable and going well. So a few years uh, and career steps later, I then became the CEO of a tech company in Belgium, Netherlands and Luxembourg. And this role really fit me quite well. As by then, I had gone through the entire, the entire sales cycle of roles, I would say. And uh, a good managing director has broad experience and a, a strategic mindset. So then when the pandemic hit yet uh, a few years later, I joined a small mergers and acquisitions advisory company, and that exposed me to yet another side of uh, deal making. And in May of this year, I returned to Atos in a role as head of large deals for a large part of Northern Europe, where I am now. And this really uh, enables me to apply my passion for motivating and inspiring people to get the best out of themselves and to win large deals, which is great. Uh, and I also continuously coach and mentor young women while they are pursuing their tech careers. So in summary, um, I think I made a quite unconventional and international journey during which I learned a lot and I discovered in which kind of environment I am the best match. Um, the world is open and opportunities are there to take. And what's important is to be persistent. Don't take no for an answer and open all the doors by yourself. I'm, I'm convinced that no one will rescue you. You will have to take control of your career and your objectives and orchestrate your journey. Wonderful, Irene. Thank you so much for sharing uh, what seems to be a very exciting, interesting, and I think enriching journey. And I think what struck me is the fact that you have um, done so many diverse things in your in your career and uh, you've embraced opportunities uh, which came along the way, which is probably all added up to your own learning and growth and, uh, you know, help you succeed as a leader. You know, I have a personal motto and it's never a dull moment. So it kind of illustrates my need to, uh, to do different things at times and to, to grow from, uh, from that perspective. Absolutely. Wonderful. That brings us, Irene, to the end of the first segment. We now go on to the second segment, which is on leadership, diversity, inclusion, and skills. Here we talk unfiltered on how to build diverse and inclusive organizations. 
So I think my first question to you is around the impact of the global pandemic, which has changed all our lives. We are all experiencing what is popularly being called, called the she session, which is a word used to describe the negative impact of women's participation at the workplace over the past 12 to 18 months. As you're well aware, a lot of women have opted out of the workplace uh, or have been, uh, you know, sign, signing up for um, fewer hours at the workplace. Uh, and so, you know, there has been a lot of uh, shift in the priorities and focus because most of us are still working from home. What are some of your observations of the situation on the ground? I think that um, the pandemic exposed the gender gap in the share of household responsibilities. And this is for all of us that were forced to work from home. But at the same time, it provides the opportunity to close that gap because with everyone being there at home and the children being schooled from home, it became much clearer to every member of any household what a challenge it can be to manage all of that and that it needs close for cooperation. So it's an eye-opener. And in a way, the pandemic... Um, brought many people and families a better balance and brought us closer together. So it's not all negative. However, uh, working remotely also seems to have lowered the barrier for incorrect behavior. And yeah, unfortunately, still uh, people from, let's say, a diverse background are often earlier the receiver of that. So as an example, it's much easier to during a stressful moment on the phone uh, as opposed to being a physical face-to-face -face, uh, situation to say things that you really shouldn't say or to insult somebody, for example. So staying connected takes much more effort with all of us uh, working remotely. I, I see that as two very clear outcomes. Yeah, Irene, thanks for sharing that. So Irene, uh, you know, you very well, um, you know, articulated some of the on-the-ground realities and challenges of what we're all dealing with. Um, but, you know, I'm sure most organizations recognize and appreciate the benefits of having a very diverse and inclusive workspace and are consciously uh, making positive uh, efforts towards uh, the improving the gender index within their companies. In your, in your view as leaders, what can organizations do to build more diverse and inclusive organizations? Thank you for that question. Um, building diverse and inclusive organizations requires first creating awareness. For example, about how unconscious bias against diversity creeps into decision-making. I'm convinced that a lot of people thinking that they have no such bias will be surprised to find out that they do have that bias after learning about it, after being aware. The objective is to reach everyone, so not only the people that are naturally already interested, but also those that are not interested. This is the important group to reach uh, when it comes to awareness initiatives. I personally, in this case, uh, favor a company-wide mandatory training, for example. And secondly, I, I believe that leadership should step up and be transparent about the reality of it with the facts and the numbers about diversity among its employees and then come up with an actionable plan for improvement. Getting broad leverage and employee engagement, and this comes with transparency, is important as well. We have to make the employees at the company a part of that objective. Right. 
while organizations can put together policies and uh, uh, systems and uh, provide flexibility in terms of ways of working i do believe that there is onus on uh the women themselves or the professional themselves to uh think about and own their own career journey and path if you look back at your own experiences what in your view are the most important learnings that you want to share as a female leader in technology that anybody who's listening to this podcast can possibly learn from okay well thanks very much there there's a lot to say there and a lot of learnings uh for me and i have picked out a few here i picked out four actually So the first one for me and this has really helped me later in my career is and I wish I had it earlier is to find a coach and a sponsor. So make sure that you have a coach that's someone to talk to that's not your manager, someone that you want to learn from and that you trust. A coach can put things in a different perspective for you and get you to think outside of the box. So that's about having a coach. And then was also very important and I also found this out in practice is to have a sponsor and a sponsor is someone that will speak up for you while you're not in the room. I found out how important this is one day in the past when my performance review was done and I was being described by uh, the all male team in the room as difficult. So my sponsor stood up and spoke up and told that all male team that If I had been a man, they wouldn't have used that word, the word difficult, and that instead I would have been praised as demanding, which is not quite the same thing. So by doing that, my sponsor pointed out their unconscious bias and and they understood that. And by doing that, my sponsor turned around my evaluation and my reputation. I was not even aware of it. So this for me was a very important learning. I have to know who's got my back and who I can talk to. So a coach and a sponsor. So secondly, um over the years, I I would like to say think big. So a controversial former political leader said if you're going to be thinking anything, you might as well think big. So always consider your goals and your objectives and then make them bigger. you need to negotiate your salary name your price be bold be firm when asked about that and when you're asked about what title or position uh, you are after or your ambitions are you look the asker straight in the face and don't hesitate be bold so again also something i learned is be be flexible but don't be too flexible so yes adapt to changing situations build resilience and demonstrate that you are flexible but not too much and this is something i i discovered in the, in a few years so as someone from a minority female in this case remember that unfortunately we aren't yet in a world where everyone is treated equally so make sure your position your role your leverage or your authority and your objectives and your mandate are immediately crystal clear to everyone that you need to work with and leaves nothing to misinterpretation and it could also stop people to underestimate you ignore you or even put you down so don't be too flexible and at the same time as you progress my advice there is ignore the adversity if you do well 
With winning comes hating, unfortunately. More people will attempt to pull the rug from under you as you as you go on. So don't let any adverse feedback or behavior tempt you to become vindictive, for example, and always lead the way and stay true to yourself. And to sum that one up, kindness does matter, and you always have to make sure that you you stick with that. Thanks. Wonderful, Irene. I I love the points that you shared. Uh, find a coach or a sponsor is one. Think big. Don't be too flexible and ignore uh, the critics or the negative feedback. All wonderful points for us to end the second segment of this podcast. We now move to the third segment, which is really a fun rapid fire round, Irene. Uh, and all we want to do is hear quick and quirky responses from you. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. So my first question is, what are your interests outside of work? What do you like to do in your free time? Well, you mentioned it in the beginning, but uh, my husband and I like to compete in uh, a yearly classic car rally in the snow in Central Europe or Scandinavia. This is a week-long event crossing a few different countries, and I am the co-pilot um, responsible for the navigation. This is really our joint passion. Beyond spending time with our two young children, they're 10 and 12, so I uh, spend quite a lot of time with them. Wonderful. It's, it's really fun to have joint passion projects with your spouse or partner, so I guess it must be a lot of fun. Yes, it is. Thanks. When did you last go to the office, Irene? Last week, uh, I was happy to attend a sales meeting at Atos in Belgium. So the local leadership asked me to do a presentation about our large deals and what's going on in the, the broader region of Northern Europe. It was the first time for me back in the office since my first day at Atos when I came back there to, uh, to pick up my laptop really six months ago. Wow, wonderful. I'm sure it must have been a, a nice experience to step back into, into the workspace. Absolutely. My next question, uh, Irene, is why do you think women should have girlfriends? That's a good one. Um, I just started a ladies club initiative here at Atos. Um, a diversity and inclusion speaker that I listened to once said that real ladies fix each other's crowns. And this is very true. But at the same time, sometimes we just want to have a girl's talk. So this is a good reason to have girlfriends and to bring, a, bring together all the ladies and, and just chat. It matters. Wonderful. My last question of the segment, Irene, is which celebrity alive would you like to meet given a chance and why? Ah, easy. It's Elon Musk because I would just love to ask him how he gets people to think out, outside of the box and to act creatively. This is definitely uh, my first thought, meeting him. Wonderful. And I do hope someday, someplace, you get a chance to meet Elon Musk and pick a, a piece of his brain in terms of how he's able to do all these super cool, futuristic, amazing, um, you know, um, ideas and, you know, how he's able to come up with them and build them and how he's able to create an organization which, which thrives on uh, creation and, innovate, you know, uh, creativity and innovation. Yes, thank you. That would be very inspirational. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Irene, for your time. It was an absolute pleasure to have this 
as part of this podcast and i hope anyone who is listening in um you know is inspired takes back some idea uh, and inspiration and an insight from this conversation thank you thanks very much